0: I'm excited today. The first service is short. I had to get up at 630 this morning. I normally don't get up at 630. When I got out of the army, I swore I'd never do it again. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of service people there this morning. Has anybody stayed in the army a long time but didn't really love it? I remember when I joined, I was 17 years old. I saw this sign. that said, Uncle Sam, wants you? Anybody old enough remember those signs? Uncle Sam, wants you? He's red, white, and blue with a big top hat. And I had another sign that said, join the Army and be a man. Now, when you're a little guy, I was, when I went in the Army, I saw my 201 file recently. I was uh, five feet, four inches tall and weighed 119 pounds. I'm 6'2 and weighed 215 now. You know, so I'm twice the man I used to be. I guess. <clears throat> when I was a little guy, and little guys in high school. Yeah, you know, all of y'all got bullied. Any, any. It doesn't matter how big you are, unless you were the bully. And sometimes that, you know. But there's a bully at every school, or a few. And my parents moved a lot. I went to eleven schools. I only went to twelve grades. I went to eleven schools. So every time we had moved to a new school, you know, I was a little guy with long hair and, uh, and I wanted to be a musician, so I didn't dress like everybody else. I didn't fit in real quick. And when my parents moved up north, it was really obvious I wasn't from there, <laughs> you know. And so um, I, I got in some fights and stuff and, you know, you know how that goes. But when I went in the army, being a man, that's what appealed to me. Man, I'm going to be a, my daddy, uh, I don't know what your daddy was like, but my daddy didn't negotiate. <laughs> my daddy made a decision and you had two, you had a choice. You could do what he said or die. <laughs> but that was the only choices you had. So there wasn't, a, there wasn't any, hey dad, what about this? That That discussion didn't happen. So, It appealed to me, I'm getting, you know, you're growing up, your dad's telling you what to do, you go to school, your teacher tells you what to do, your coach tells you what to do. I'm thinking, I'm going to get in. Man, are you kidding? I joined the military. If you don't like to be told what to do, don't join. Come on. And then I got married. When do you get to do what you want to do? When you get to heaven, I guess, is Anyway, we'll preach that other sermon some other time. It's not a good time. But I joined the army to be a man, and and I'm going to go into that a little bit today. I'm going to talk to you about war. If anybody can't recognize, the Bible says that before the return of Jesus, there'll be signs, there'll be some signs. If y'all have been looking around and y'all can't see this sign, Jesus is coming soon. And I believe we ought to talk about that a lot. I believe we need, it's not just something religious people say. The Bible, they came, the disciples came to Jesus, Matthew 24, a lot of other places, but... In Matthew 24, they said, how will we know when you're coming back? And he gave them 19 precursors. He said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. You know the list. It's a long list. But on the other hand, let me ask you this. When have we not had wars and rumors of wars? Always. But for the first time in history, about 15 years ago, all 19 of those things on that list are happening every day at the same time. This is a no-brainer. Yeah. The Word says that the generation that sees Israel come back together as a nation, that was 1948. Yeah. I'm 77. I was born in 1944. That's my generation. Yeah. We saw that generation, the Word says, will see the return of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know when. Nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the day. But we all, it says, you will see the seasons and you'll recognize these things. The world won't, but he said, because I give you the Holy Spirit, he will show you the things which are to come. And he will let you know when it's getting short, and he'll let you know. And if you're paying attention, he'll prepare you. For what? Not for any bad stuff. The Bible says in the last days, there'll be um, perilous times that are hard to bear. Has anybody had any perilous times? Has anybody had any days that were really hard to bear? Why? Because there's spiritual warfare going on. So the Holy Spirit in my time alone with him told me to help you prepare to win the battles. Not some of them, all of them. For this is the victory that overcomes the world and everything in it, even our faith. Will you join your faith with me, please? That we'll both hear what God's saying today. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Mm. But with you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I thank you, God, that we'll never be without you again. I thank you, Lord, for all eternity that we belong to you. We've given you our lives, and, and you have come. Your word says that you, our bodies are the temple of your Holy Spirit and that you dwell in us now, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, thank you for it, Lord. I ask you for a a fresh uh, anointing this morning and for a door of utterance opened unto us by your Holy Spirit. I ask you, God, to help us to understand, to give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the intimate knowledge of God and to strengthen us in the inner man. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We we dedicate not just today, but eternity, everything we ever know or see or do to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Baby, grab that mic and come up here and help me for just one more second, please. I want to do something right quick. My wife... Never took any drugs. And so her mind, she's like my mainframe, you know. When I need to remember something, I call on Christy. <clears throat> there is a prayer there in the Bible. There are uh, nine prayers in the New Testament that are really important for our everyday life. One, of, The most important one, of course, is the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, the Lord told us to pray this, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Now, think about that for a minute. Just one minute. Stop everything. Bible, there's a word in the scripture called Selah. It means pause and meditate. Think about this. Yeah. Jesus said that you and I could pray that it would be just like it is in heaven at your house. You know, Jesus didn't say anything in the Bible because he's trying to sell Bibles. Right. He's, he's giving everything away. Come on. He doesn't do anything religious. Every word he said had a purpose and a reason. And we need, to, we need to give his words weight in our lives. We need to stop and really think, whoa, what did he say? Why did he say that? Because he hadn't always been that way at my house. My daughter could tell you about the times when I got born again when she was 11 years old. And she sat in her little rocking chair, and she had this doll called Miss Beasley. And I remember one day I was sitting there, and I, I don't know if it was all my brothers. who Do you remember who? Some band might have been, might have been a Grateful Dead. Somebody was at my house, and we were all getting stoned. as cocaine lines chopped up on a mirror, and, and my little girl's sitting over there, and she w- watched Daddy all the time. Of course, we're passing joints around and whatever all. And so she wanted to do be like Daddy. She's about two years old, three years, I don't know. And so I looked over at her, and I was really loaded. I was faced and she had a little tinker toy, and she was, she'd do like she was taking a hit, and then she'd pass it to Miss Beasley. It was like playing tea party, except, and I thought it was funny. When I gave my life to Jesus, I'm telling you, man, it looked impossible to ever be a Christian, much less a man of God, because I just didn't know how much power he had. And I didn't know how good he was. And I didn't know how much he loved me. And I didn't trust him. And, and everything we're going to say to you today Man, I pray every day, God, don't let me go over to Tennessee, fly a thousand miles, and and waste your time and waste their time doing a bunch of religious junk. I mean, religions, man, I mean, there's some, one one religion has you burn a candle for somebody. Well, that's going to help. You might as well burn the trash. (laughs) Religion is so goofy. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Us kids called it the Christian Olympics. <laughs> Every Sunday, man, my granddaddy was the pastor. When your granddaddy's the pastor, you kin to half the church, you know, which means you know what they do on Sunday, but you also know what to do on Friday night, which was very confusing to me. And when I'd ask my mama what's going on, you know, mama was, she didn't want to, throw her kinfolks under the bus, and she didn't want to, uh, so she, she didn't lie to me. She just wouldn't tell me the truth. Come on. And Jesus, remember, said the truth will set you free. If you don't get the truth, you ain't going to be free. Yeah. Until I was 11, I couldn't tell some of the truth because uh-huh. I didn't know it. Right. I didn't respect it, and I didn't tell it, by the way. I was a liar's liar. A manipulator, a selfish, proud, arrogant fool, an adulterer, you name it, with the list can go on and on. But when I gave my life to Jesus, He, he filled me with His Spirit that night. He forgave me, first of all, go figure. You know how many times I'd take LSD and say, I'd be holding on, oh my God, if I let, or the cops, you know, the blue light comes on or, or the you hit the spot of ice and the car's spinning around, you're hollering, oh Jesus. Now, how many of you know atheists holler, oh Jesus, when the car's spinning? You know what I mean? It, it doesn't mean anything. But I tell God, God, if you help me get through this, I'll, I'll never do that again. I, I knew I was going to do it again, and he did too. If I was him, I'd have just squished me. But he just kept on love. Unconditional love means it don't matter how stupid you are, I still love you. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you anyway. If you choose to go to hell, I don't want you to, but I'm going to love you till you get there. And I'm going to do everything I can to save you and forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to heal you and to fix your marriage and to just... Holy, holy! Come on, somebody! I don't even know why I. I don't know where I started. I don't know where I am. I'm just, I'm just lost in, in, huh? Oh, nine prayer. Thank you, Jesus. This is tag team preaching, y'all. <clears throat> Once you've been chemically enhanced, you need a little help from time to time. <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about. A bunch of you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I ain't. Talk- I didn't. I didn't name no names, El Greco. But I mean, I'm just. I'm just saying. You know. <clears> hey. <throat> hey. Anyway, other than the Lord's Prayer, eight of those prayers were written by Paul. And I asked Kristy to come up here because. A guy named Mark Hank, uh, dad Hagen started out and he told brother Mark's daddy was a preacher. And he told Mark when he was 17, he said, if you pray these Ephesian prayers, the one in Ephesians, uh, over yourself for six months, every day, your life will change. And I remember when Mark told me that, and I, and I had heard that on the tape from brother Hagen. And so I decided I'm going to do that this is about 20 years ago I did it for about a week you know y'all ever do that stuff it's like a it's like a new year's yeah you know it don't last it's like a New year's diet come on <clears throat> my favorite diet always starts tomorrow <clears throat> yeah so anyway um, this prayer though I, I want Christy to quote it to you out of the Amplified Bible because uh, it's a little bit longer than the King James but it helps you to understand it more I want to share something with you and I want to encourage you to start praying this over you and your family I promise you I would not lie to you I ain't trying to say you nothing I only want you to have God's best that's his will and that's my will so will you listen to this help me and I'm going to stop and comment on it if you'll okay and if they want
1: to up, it might
0: yeah, if point. you've got it, um, um, Ephesians, the,
1: Ephesians 1, uh, 17 through 19, amplified. I believe those are the verses.
0: Ephesians uh, one seventeen through 19, and amplified if you've got it, Jason. Thanks, man.
1: And that first verse says, we pray to the Father of glory that he may grant you the spirit of wisdom yeah. and revelation that you have insight into the mysteries and the secrets and the deep and mm. intimate knowledge of God.
0: Hold on now. Let me, let me talk to him for a second. God, Here's what Paul said to pray. You need the wisdom of God, yes. which is, of course, the mind of Christ. Yes. When the devil's attacking you and this spiritual warfare is going on, and there is a war raging right yes. now. If any of y'all military guys have ever been to live action where they're trying to kill you, let me tell you something. The devil is trying to kill you every day. It's not just COVID. Right. He's trying to kill you. And he, if he can't kill you, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he'll steal your peace. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your money. He'll steal your marriage. He'll steal, uh, he, well, he don't mind you being married. He, he'll steal holy matrimony. Yeah. That's different. Whenever the word holy is involved, that means God's in control. <clears throat> He'll steal your health. He'll steal anything that you let him steal. If you don't let him, he can't steal nothing. Amen. He was defeated at Calvary. How many of you know that the Bible says that Jesus took the devil and all his gang, defeated them. He, he went. He, he, Jesus came here and lived for us. And he taught us what the Father said and what he's like. He said, I only do what I see him doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. So he, he taught us what the Word says, and then he lived it. He did it right in front of us, set an example. And then he, after living for us, he died for us. Then he went to hell for us so we wouldn't have to go. And he didn't just, he went there and he defeated, he whooped. We say in Texas that whooped the devil, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and then paraded Satan and all his foes as a defeated foe before God and all the angels. Amen. He did all that for you and me. Amen. So he wants us to have the mind of Christ. I told you earlier about Romans 12. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Nobody. I don't know how to be like Jesus. But the good news is, I don't need to be Einstein to figure that out. He said, if I would study His Word and listen to what He said and think about what He's saying, instead of just trying to tell Him my Christmas list, all Christians talk to Him. They try to tell Him what to do. And I've I've, I've had the counsel a with, council with Christians who were mad at God because He didn't do what they told Him to do. Of course, they didn't do anything he told them to do either. If you want God to do the things that are important to you, you need to do some things that are important to him. Like forgive everybody. That's not negotiable. You know, some people think if you get enough people to vote against God, that it'll be okay to disobey him. I got one come on and one say that. Anybody else want to vote on on that last one? Come on now. Abortion won't be good with God no matter how many people vote for it. Killing kids. (laughs) Mm. So we need the mind of Christ and we need the wisdom of God. And he said, with wisdom to get understanding. So we need to be pursuing that. In other words, he wants us to be seekers. He doesn't want you to just come in church and sit here. Some Christians think if you go to church for 50 years, you'll be like Christ. No, you won't. You can sleep in a garage, but you won't become a car. <laughs> Christian, Christianity doesn't happen by osmosis. You got they that seek Find. So when you come in here, what are we seeking for? I don't know about you, but I'm seeking for, okay, I know that I'm a lot of the problem and I know you're not going to change. How many know the Bible says he's the same yesterday, day, and forever? God's not going to change. How many of you know the devil ain't getting saved this month? And if God's not going to change and the devil's not going to change and you want it to get better in your life, guess who's got to change? So this is a simple no brainer. If I want to change for him, how do you honor God? He said if you honor me, I'll honor you. How do you honor God? You honor him first of all by believing him. Yeah. Hebrews 11:6. Can we put that up right quick? Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it's impossible to believe God. What is faith? It's not that, you know, it's a, to some people, faith is a religious term. It's so big, generic word. No, faith means you either believe God or you don't.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Just because you believe there is a God doesn't mean you believe God. That's right. If God says by his stripes, you were healed and the doctor says, nope, your body's telling you you're not healed. The symptoms in your body. You know you're not healed. The the doctor, the test, the CAT scan says you're not healed. The you know it, you either live by sight because you're looking at the circumstance. You're you're thinking about it. You're meditating on it. All of science, all of history, and all you can folks say you're dying. And God says, not a problem. I'm still God. If I can find some, they said, well. They said one guy, uh, Jesus was going to come over and, and heal his daughter. And, uh, and they said, it's too late. They came and said, Jesus master it's too late. Don't come. She's dead. And Jesus looked at the guy and said, fear not only believe all things are possible. Oh, if I can just find somebody who believes that I'm honest, that's all God's looking for. If he can find somebody who believes he has integrity, that he ain't playing church. Right. He ain't trying to start a religion. Right. He's God. Yeah. And he loves you. Yeah. And man, if he can find somebody to hook up with that dude, then it's on. Yeah. Then the good stuff, the power of God starts flowing in your life. So we've got to get our minds renewed. We started out with the wisdom of God. The next thing he said to pray for is revelation. How are you going to do the will of God if, you, if it hadn't been revealed to you what it is? Right. You've got to have revelation. Then he starts talking about the mysteries.
1: Um, insight. insight into, into the, the mysteries, mysteries and the secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of God.
0: Can you yeah. all hear her little of voice?
1: Do I need to speak up? Is that better?
0: (laughs) Okay. Who wants to know the secret mysteries of God Almighty? Now, now, I know you're all busy. Oh, you're so busy. You ain't got time to hang out. I mean, you got time to watch TV, and you find time when you need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I hadn't had had anybody ever tell me, you know, I've been so busy, I hadn't been to the bathroom in a month. Now, we find the way to do what we really need to do. Yes. Now, God Almighty is wanting to hang out yeah. and reveal to you the secrets of the kingdom of God. Does anybody could slice out a little time for him every morning? Or do we just have to drink that coffee and run out the door? to do something that really is not... A lot of what we do ain't that important. Go ahead, my love.
1: So insight into the mysteries and the secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. One version says, open the eyes of your understanding so that you can know and understand The hope of your calling. Now another version says so that you can know and understand exactly what it is you are called to do in this moment of time. Wow, that's powerful. We all need that. Do you want me to keep going?
0: Please.
1: Okay. <laughs> so
0: I don't need to explain that. You did such a good job. Okay. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so that we know exactly what it is the hope of our calling. And then the next one says also, so that you can know and understand the surpassing greatness, unlimited, and immeasurable. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed the second one. Pastor William probably already knew that. Um, before I jumped ahead. Okay, <laughs> so, that I can, so that you would know and understand the glorious riches of our inheritance in the saints so that means we know and understand, God wants you to have wisdom and revelation so that you know and understand what belongs to you in Christ Jesus your rights and privileges that you have in him and so that you would know and understand the surpassing greatness unlimited, immeasurable power of God in and for you who believe amen so that power of god it resides in you by his spirit but it's activated by faith that's why paul said i came to you not in demonstration not with um, eloquent words, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Yeah. So your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yeah. So that correlates with Ephesians, where he says that power of God, that you would understand his power is unlimited. Yeah. Yeah. Man's wisdom will always be limited. Yeah. If they could fix it, they already would have, right? right? But God's power is unlimited. <laughs> it is immeasurable and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. believe. Amen.
0: That's it.
1: Amen. Thanks, man.
0: Amen. That was awesome. That was awesome. I love being married to a preacher. <clears throat> Unless I'm being inconsistent, my wife has the sweetest way of hammering me. She doesn't ever say, hey, doofus, you ain't doing it. You, you, you've been preaching it, and you ain't, you know. What she'll say is, now, baby, that's not what we're, that's not God's best. That's not what we're believing for. In, in, uh, and she'll actually say that's what we, in other words, she'll take half of the blame for what I just did. <clears throat> it's pretty sweet, but she still lets me know I ain't putting up, I'm calling you on this one, dude, <laughs> holding you accountable. Amen. Good stuff. We all need that, don't we? Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to go over these notes as quick as I can because I know he sent me here to talk to you about this spiritual war. There's a lot going on. Here's what he told me to ask you. How bad do you want God's best? Because if you want it bad enough, you can have it. And I'm telling you, here's a guy who started out, I mean, when I was a kid, we lived in a trailer, and it wasn't a double wide. We thought rich people had a double wide. I'm talking about down on the other side of the tracks. So anybody know what I'm talking about? <clears> to <throat> dream of being able to to pay off your house. Are you kidding? We didn't even have, we, we rented places. <clears throat> you know, to, to dream of being able to give away a, a bus or a truck or a or an airplane, or to be able to sow in, I'm talking about sewing, not giving away, I shouldn't have said it that way. To be able to do, to to, give, to sew a building that God gave you. We, God gave us a building one time in Atlanta. It was a $1,850,000 building, and when we were done using it the way the Lord told us to. He showed us who needed it. and uh, Well, I mean, you you look back on how do you get from there to here? God is God. You don't need to understand it all, and you won't. His ways are higher than our way. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But if you'll trust him, you'll do a lot of stuff that's illogical. Yes. If you really trust God, you'll do... Tithing is totally unobjective your brain will never understand how you can have a whole lot more on 90% than you can on 100% of your income. That's just totally illogical, but it's still the truth. And when we trust him, he does the phenomenal, the above and beyond what you could ask or think. I mean, that's if you really humble yourself, and stop leaning on your own understanding. That's the biggest problem. How, how many of you know that everybody thinks they're smart? I mean, I, I grew up, I'm, I was a musician, so I owned studios and in the studio, if you don't like the way a guitar player played that part, you just reach up and turn it down. You just hit the fader and he goes away. And so when I would be in life, I would be around people and I sort of, you know, study people. And and if I got around somebody that did a whole bunch of dumb things in a row, I I just didn't want to hear what they had to say. I didn't want to be influenced by any of their stupidity. And so in my mind, I just turned their fader off. They'd come in the room, they'd be like a sock Muppet. Their lips would be moving. I never heard a word. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now... If we want God's best, we just simply got to focus. I remember when, um, uh, religion, by the way, always comes from deception, you know, religious people. I mean, people who worship little, I mean, a lot of religions have little idols, you know, Buddha, you're praying to this, you know, thing. Nobody's listening. I mean, people spend their whole life uh, bringing food to an idol. Uh, and they even, some religions call them demons. Yeah. And, uh, but the truth will set you free from what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, in the last days, there'll be some who have a form of godliness that denies the power of God. Yeah. Now, that's a perfect description of religion. They got the formula down. They go hang out under the steeple, and they go hang out, and they get baptized. They sing some songs. They pass the hat, you know. They, but the the that formula without the power of God, when the devil attacks you, you're on your own, and you're just uh, you know you're praying, but it ain't. It has no power. Faith without works is dead. If you don't do something about what you believe, what you believe has no power. Amen. Even if you really believe it. Prayer becomes, it's like going to Vegas, you know. You pull that thing, you hope you get three lemons. Maybe God will be in a good mood. To, Come on, Jesus. Baby needs a new pair of shoes. Maybe you'll hit a seven. No, prayer is not like that. Prayer is where the best friend you've ever had is listening to you when you come to him with a situation and he lets you know and he proves to you over and over and over, I love you, son, and I'm listening. I'm working in your life. I got my hands on you. I have since you was a little boy. I'm going to prove how much I love you again today. Don't worry about it. I got you back. And you can rest in the Lord. Amen. Now, I joined the Army in 1962. Went to basic training over in um, Fort Jackson over in South Carolina. And I was, you know, I joined because I wanted to be a man. I wanted to grow up and everything, you know, I told you. But uh, I joined because I wanted to be G.I. Joe, you know. I wanted to be a big, strong. I wanted wanted that weapon, man. I wanted that shiny boots and everything. And, and. uh They made me a clerk typist. <laughs> they shaved my head which is rude to start with. Made me wear green underwear. My sergeant called me some names that I I'm sure you've been called if you're in the military but I can't repeat them here this morning. He called me everything but Lefevre. <clears throat> but I learned a lot because he had been he had been in the Korean conflict. This is back before Vietnam and, and all the uh, things that have happened since then, Afghanistan and Iraq and all those. But <clears throat> I went in thinking, I want to learn how to be ready in case of war like a pilot trains. I mean, you don't train so you fly the plane on a beautiful sunny day. You fly because you're trying to learn. You go and study and and take the test. They go go twice a year for two weeks and they get in that trainer, those jet uh, pilots, they get in that trainer and they get them flying along there and then they have an emergency and you got eight seconds to fix it or you're dead. And they do it over and over and over until you've fixed it so many times that if it ever happens to you, you can fix it without thinking about it. Muscle memory, just boom. Amen? Well, that's why I went in the Army thinking, man, I want to learn how to be a soldier that's ready for an emergency. I want to be the kind of soldier that, that that you can give an important task to. I want to be the guy that takes care of business so much so that my superiors know that they can trust me when the chips are down and when the bullets start flying. You know, Mike Tyson said everybody had a strategy to beat him until he hit them in the mouth. Their strategy went right out the window. When the the bullets start flying, nobody's G.I. Joe. Everything changes. And you got to be ready. And yet, I I saw a lot of soldiers who were training for peacetime, not in case of war. I saw a lot of soldiers getting ready for battle. I I was getting ready for battle. I mean, I was getting ready just in case. And, uh, but I saw people sleep. I mean, I remember one day we went to uh, learn how to throw hand grenades, you know. I mean, a lot of different things you do in basic and, you know, you've... Uh, the infiltration course. I mean, there's so many things that you got to know, you have to pay attention, but there's some stuff that they, they set you up in the stands and somebody's down there talking. You're supposed to be learning, paying attention. They're giving you the information and I'd look around. There'd be guys asleep. Now, if Sarge caught them they weren't sleeping anymore but you know in other words do you really want to be in the trenches with a guy who was asleep when it was time to find out what to do to save your life it was sort of like church it's always amazed me why people sleep in church but some do I've always thought it'd be a whole lot more comfortable at home in that warm bed, you know. If you're gonna sleep, might as well stay home and get nothing out of here, you know. But those are the people who come to counseling later. And they want you to give them an hour of time to tell them what you told everybody else last Sunday. Because they weren't listening. I at least got one amen from Pastor. Now, the, the counselor has been, uh, you know, the people who don't read the Bible have to go to counseling. And the only, I mean, you know us counselors, we don't have a special counseling Bible. We got the same one everybody else got. The only difference is we read it and try to do what it says. And, And if you do that, you should be a counselor one of these days to your family, to your friends. And you are. You people right here, I'm telling you, you're seekers, you're finders. And you're growing in the things of God and becoming more and more like him. Amen. Now, everybody got the same training. Everybody heard Master Sarge explain what to do, but only a few were, were getting ready. We're really preparing. I believe the Lord told me to tell you this. We don't study the Word to figure out what to do in church on Sunday. We, find, we study the Word to find out what to do when all hell breaks loops and the chips are down. When it's up against the wall time and you're by yourself and it's four o'clock in the morning and your body's hurting so bad and you got a fever and your brain's not working good and the devil has set up the perfect storm and you're in the middle of it and the battle's raging and he's telling you, I got you now sucker, I'm going to kill you this year. And that's when one of two things happen. You either look him right in the eye and let him know, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. I don't, I'm not putting up with any stuff. You lying thief, you, you steal nothing from me and my family because I'm not putting up with it. You either take your authority that God has given you. Did you know you have authority if you're a believer? You have authority over powers and principalities and rulers in darkness, the unseen world. And you defeat that darkness and you take authority over it or you do submit to it. And you let that devil steal and kill and destroy you and your family. And man, that is not the will of God for a Christian. I mean, if people ignore Jesus and they use God's name as half a word, you know, those people who choose to go to hell, God loves them just as much as he loves me and you, but he will not force them to go to heaven. He doesn't force anybody to worship him. He doesn't force anybody to praise him. He doesn't force anybody to trust him. People go around saying, God is in control. People, if God was in control, nobody would have been drunk last night and got and, and had a wreck and killed a kid. Nobody would have would have beat their wife or their child last night if God was in control. God gave everybody a free will. Yes. He had Moses read the first five books of the Bible to, to Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, now I've set before you life or death. This is Deuteronomy 30, 19. I've set before you life or death, the blessings or the curse. Now choose life. He actually gave them a hint. Don't choose death. I've seen some of y'all's choices, so I'm going to give you a hint. Choose the blessing. Do not choose the curse. Duh. Duh. Everybody say, duh. duh. But it's a choice. I didn't know that as a kid. We went to church. We thought God made all the choices. No, he's given you a will. You can go to heaven. Or you can go to hell. It's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. If God got his will, everybody would go to heaven, everybody would be full of the Holy Ghost, and everybody would be kind to each other. There'd be no bad people doing any bad things. But you get to choose. So that's why he said, don't be like the world. You watch TV shows, you'll see everybody doing everything they all make up their own rules. They, they go around talking about, well, I'm just living my truth. There ain't but one. On. What God says is the truth. You can live yours if you want to. You can tell God, hey, God, you're stupid. I don't like the way you're being God. I don't want you to be my Lord. That'll send you to hell. But just because you can get 50 million people to vote, it's okay to do that. You'll still go to hell. And what's even worse, because I've lived long enough to know this, if you live like hell, you not only go there, but it's hell till you get there. Or you can get over in the kingdom. He he said, we're not of the world. We're in it. But we're not of it. We're tithers. We're in a whole different kingdom. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for his goodness. Let's put up... um, James 1 and verse 22, please. James 1, 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Did I go over that in this service? Every once in a while, I can't remember which service I went over that. Thank you. Oh, you do it too? Thank you. I'm not losing it then. That's good. I hope, I'm glad that happens to somebody else. Now, to be a hearer means you hear the word of God. And w- when you're hearing it, you're thinking, boy, I hope Lulu's listening because she really needs to get this. <laughs> oh, Fred's here today, that rascal. He does. Now, the word comes to pastor when he's in his prayer closet. He don't know who's going to be here. And when, you hear, when you're trying to hear the word of God, you're not trying to hear it so you can please all your people. You're trying to please God. So we just tell everybody what he said, which means the word is not for Lulu and Fred, it is for them too, but it's for you. Amen. So I'm supposed to be saying, oh, okay, Lord, you want, okay. I'll change, I'll do, I see I hadn't been doing that, right? I'll get, I mean, I've had people tell, you know, the word doesn't ask you to, to forgive. It doesn't say, well, you pray about this. Y'all, y'all, y'all pray about this, get the elders together, vote on this, let me know what you decide mm God makes commandments. Yes. That's right. He says, forgive, Jesus said this, forgive everybody of everything or my father won't forgive you. Right. Now, If you're not forgiven, how me know what sin will do to you. Yeah. So I've had people tell me, well, you don't know what she did to me. I tried to forgive her, but which means I'm just too mad and I don't like what God said and I ain't gonna do it. Don't mean you can't. You can if you want to. You just don't love Jesus enough to to trust Him and obey Him. You'd rather tell somebody off and get them fixed, their red wagon, than and get revenge. And every time their name comes up, it makes you mad. Get over it. Grow up. Put that stuff under the blood. Put it in the past. Jesus said, "Forget the past." It ain't hurting nobody but you. You being mad at somebody, ain't hurting them at all. But the devil's eating your lunch and you wonder why your prayers aren't getting answered. Amen. Amen. Be ye doers of the word. When you read it, he's trying to correct my life. Now, for forty-one years, I've been reading that every day, and I and I know, man. Mm, God is so good, and He's got such an amazing. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and they're plans to bless you and prosper you, not to harm you. Now, how many of you know that God knew that COVID was coming? I mean, it didn't shock him. God knew all this crazy stuff that's happened, you know, You and I, I went through the airport yesterday in Nashville. From the time I got on into the airport in Dallas, I forgot to wear my mask, so they stopped me, and I had to put my mask on. Had to keep it on on the plane. Had to keep it on at the airport in Nashville. So we do everything the government tells us to do, but 260,000 people came across the border down in Mexico last month. They don't have to wear a mask. They don't need any shots. They just need us to pay for them something to eat and a place to stay and give them some Social Security and some Medicaid and, you know. Now, I'm not talking about politics. Y'all got real quiet then. I didn't get one amen. I didn't come here to talk about politics because I don't care about all that. I do care about why we do what we do. All I'm saying is the government ain't going to fix your life. Amen. White House can't do it. Wall Street can't do it. Politicians either can or won't do it. But we need to pray for them no matter what party they're in. We need to believe God for wisdom for them and, and do what God told us to do no matter what they do. But we need to depend on God, not anybody else. David, King David, who was the only man God said this about, he said he's a man after his own heart. The whole Bible, he didn't say that about anybody else. How did he get David get to be a man after God's own heart? He said, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. Now, when you, in the old days, if you were out tending your flocks or working in your vineyard or something, those were outside of the city gates, but people lived in what they called a fortress or a refuge, it was a place of safety. And if an army came over the hill, of bad guys, everybody ran into the fortress and locked the door. David said, you're my refuge, Lord. When trouble starts, I don't run to everybody else. I don't try to get everybody else to agree with me. I come to you, Lord, because you're my refuge and my fortress. And my confidence and trust is in you to fix my problems. Amen? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this, and I'm going to close with this if I can. Does anybody believe that the traveling guy is about to sit down after this scripture? I didn't get one hand, Pastor. Preachers, they got they just keep on, right? Come on. You know what you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Nothing. It mean nothing. Proverbs three, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. I'm going to say that again. In all your ways, how do you handle <clears throat> rejection? Because it hurts. Yes. How do you re- how do you handle when you've helped somebody because you love them, you really have compassion for them, you see you've been there, you know how bad they're hurt, you know the situation. And so you have mercy on them, you love them, you pray for them, you give them money, you do whatever you can to help them. You spend, you sow your life into them. And then they go tell everybody, they get mad at you one day because you told them what God said. And they didn't like that and, and they get offended at you. And so they leave and walk out of your life. And then they go, they, they not only tell everybody lies about you, they tell everybody else you were the one telling lies. So how do you handle the tough stuff? Because God said, if you really want my best, trust me with all your heart, not just your problem, not just the, but trust me about when when you're emotional. Because you can't live by faith and live by feelings. It's one or the other. You can't live by sight and live by faith. It's one or the other. And Jesus, according to God, that's the only two ways you can live. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all Christians should be living by faith, meaning I trust what your word says and I make every decision filtered according to what you said about it. And I speak words according to what you said and you told me to say, <clears throat> and, and, and sometimes it won't make sense. For instance, let the weak say, I am strong. Yeah. Amen. Most Christians, when they're weak, say, y'all pray for me. I'm really weak. Yeah. I just feel tired all the time. Boy, I'm a, one of the, I didn't tell y'all, let me tell you what this year was like for me. <clears throat> January, Christian, I had COVID. That's the way the year started off. And uh, in February, I had been told a few years ago, you know, they found, uh, I'd been coughing some, and <clears throat> they found this uh, lesion on my lungs. And, um, you know, they, so they were watching it, and make sure it didn't grow. They thought it might've been there a lot of years. And so anyway, it started growing. So they did this biopsy in February, and they said, well, you got lung cancer. So in February, March, April, I was doing all these treatments. Cancer treatments are a drag. I mean, at one point, my hair started falling out. Now, again, that's rude. (laughs) This is war. We're talking spiritual warfare right now. And they said, well, you know, these radiation treatments, they're basically frying the cancer, but they also, you know, it's radiation. My voice doesn't sound the way it used to because your vocal cords get radiated. You know what I mean? I, I mean, just life is different for a while. And I mean, I'm used to, you know, my daddy taught me when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So, you know, you get going quicker after radiation when you're 30 than when you're 77. I can trust me on this. But, you know, you just get up and you either grab it and growl or you sit around feel sorry for yourself and ask everybody to pray for you. You know, we got out of the hospital. One week later, I, tell, I asked the doctor, how long before I can get back to work? He said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a minister and I fly all over the world. and He, he said, well, you can't get on a plane for eight weeks. Well, they just... This band called Need to Breathe, they're... they're- but the bass player loves the Lord. He had this really cool place over in the low country in South Carolina. And our, our our TV show, if you've never seen it, if you don't have Roku or Amazon, Fire, or any of those ways of looking, you know, and you can't get the Victory Channel, go to mylon.org. The shows are there. You can watch them on demand anytime you want to. And, and you can find one on sickness or one on marriage. or one, You can click on any one. But they're made in different places all over the world. And we go, we get on our motorcycle or we we fly someplace. We find the coolest places. You know, billionaires have more than one house. And you can't live in but one at a time. They got four or five houses. And really rich people. Some people got more money than brains. So we're looking for those guys because we're going to rent their house for a couple of days, do some video, you know. Because if they if they buying a place in Hawaii, they don't buy a place in town. They go out there on the point. They got the view, baby. And they buy enough land so nobody can mess with them put a big fence around So ain't no dogs barking, kids crying. You, you can do TV in there. It's quiet, you know. So we do that. And it's basically, and I'll say this here. I wouldn't say this to every church because I know y'all aren't religious, so it's okay to say this. But m- my goal is to make a rock and roll Bible study. Just have a whole lot of fun while studying the Word of God. Just being a regular old guy, nothing religious, nothing preachy. I might not have any shoes on, you know. Brother Copeland told me he said, "I saw you preaching in Maui, and you you were barefooted." He said, "I just wanted to be there to so bed and take my boots off." I said, "Well, come on, let's have some fun. We're just studying the Word. We ain't trying to impress nobody. See, so if you want to hear the Word, come on now. Amen." Well, uh, what did I start out about five minutes? Ago? <laughs> oh, Need to Breathe offered us their place, you yeah. know. This cool tree house he built. Man, it was cool. And, uh, but the only time he said, look, it's rented for the whole summer. This was in, we just got out of hospital in April, so it was May. He said, if you come next week, I'll give it to you free. But he said, that's the only open. It's rented for the rest of the year. And so about five or six days after we got out of the hospital, we on the plane, we in South Carolina. Man, you know God will give you holy energy. Yeah. They'll tell you you can't do something, but God will say you can if you, you know, if you trust me, all things are possible. And we did five of them. Now, I, was, I wasn't feeling great, but I don't live by feeling. My body was not liking some of that. But I looked at those shows recently and they're five of the most anointed shows we ever did because we were forced to totally depend on God. And you can depend on God. Amen. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's what I'm doing right now. And then, which means under these circumstances, he shall direct your path. How many of you know when God's directing your path, you won't make any mistakes? You won't have to waste any time redoing what God told you to do. It'll work the first time.